To fully understand the Bible's concept of wisdom, we must really study the Bible, what it has to say about the opposite of wisdom, which is foolishness. And again, Proverbs, the word fool, it normally refers to um, the moral more than the intellectual deficiencies. You see, a fool is not lacking in mental powers. In fact, some of the world's biggest fools are extremely intelligent and well-educated. But in Scripture, the word fool primarily refers to one has one who has in prideful rebellion cast off a proper fear of, of God. And they started to think and act as if they can just disregard the eternal principles of righteousness. They try to act on their own without God. Now, the results of foolishness are basically the exact opposite of the blessings of wisdom that we saw last week. For example, number one, instead of blessedness, fools live with a basic dissatisfaction which slowly turns to self-loathing. You know, some people live for years unconscious of their own general unhappiness. But others, they're always keenly aware that somewhere deep down inside of them, there's this sense that they're missing life's purpose. And now this leads to just all kinds of self-defeating thoughts and behaviors. In Proverbs 15, verse 32, says, He who ne neglects discipline despises himself. Then number two that we saw last week, instead of a long life on earth, a fool generally reaps a short life on earth. Proverbs 10 and verse 27, the fear of the Lord, which is a mark of the wise, by the way, prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. Number three, instead of riches, fools generally reap poverty. Proverbs 21 and verse 20, there is a precious treasure and oil in dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man swallows it up. And then in Proverbs 14, 1, it says the wise woman builds her house, but the foolish tear it down, tears it down with her own hands. And number four, instead of honor, a fool generally reaps dishonor. In Proverbs 26 and verse 1, like snow in the summer and like rain in harvest, so honor is not fitting for a fool. And in Proverbs 13 and verse 18, poverty and shame will come to him who neglects discipline. Again, we see a fool rejects discipline and earns his, his shame here. And then number five, instead of pleasant ways, a fool generally experiences hard times. Proverbs 13 and verse 15, the way of the treacherous is hard. You know, I like Westerns and I particularly like John Wayne. John Wayne one time said, he said, life is hard, but it's harder if you're stupid. <laughs> Number six, instead of peaceful paths, fools generally have lots of conflict. In Proverbs 18 and verse six, a fool's lips bring strife and his mouth calls for blows. Then number seven, instead of growing in godliness, Every day the fool moves away from God towards godlessness. You know, Proverbs 5, in verse 23, he will die for the lack of instruction and his greatness of his folly. He will go astray. 
In fact, in Proverbs 21 and verse 27, it explains that the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination. How much more when he brings it um, with evil intent? So you see, a fool might still bring sacrifices to the Lord. A fool still may go to church, but if every day he is becoming less like God and every day his offerings are becoming more offensive to God. See, the further we get away from God, the harder it is with our relationship with God. You see, God always looks at the heart of man, as 1 Samuel says, you know, and with the Lord to obey is better than sacrifice. Again, from 1 Samuel. Number eight, instead of courageous confidence, like we talked about last week, fools have irrational fears. Proverbs 28 and verse 1. The wicked flee when no one is pursuing, but the righteous are bold as a lion. In Proverbs 10 and verse 24, what the wicked fears will come upon him, but the desire of the righteous will be granted. And then finally, number nine, instead of eternal life, the fate of the fool is eternity apart from God. Proverbs 21 and verse 16, a man who wanders from the way of understanding, will rest in the assembly of the dead. And then in Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way which seems right to a man, but in its end is the way of death. Folks, the bottom line is this. Fools reject the lordship and the sovereignty of God in their lives, and thus they exclude themselves from his kingdom. That's the bottom line here. <coughs> If you were to sort through all of these Proverbs on foolishness in the book of Proverbs, three words would come to mind. And I think as you're reading this every day, and I hope that you are, um, and if you're not, please start, read a chapter a day. Just every day, read a different chapter in Proverbs. Just keep going through it. And you'll get through it around 12 times. You don't have to keep up with everybody else. If you haven't started, start now. And just start reading it. And you'll be amazed at how it will change you. But three words are going to come to mind. And that first word is just overwhelming. Overwhelming. You know, it's hard to believe how many times Proverbs writes about the severe penalties of foolishness. Man, it's just in there everywhere. It just jumps out and slaps you here. You know, if you studied those and you considered all the foolish choices that you and I have made or are making, my second word would be horrifying. That's the word you'd think of because Scripture is clear, you see. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, this will he also reap. And so the third word is essential. Friends, we've got to get this. This is something that we've got to understand. God's word is crystal clear. It's essential that all of us hear and heed them. You know, I thought the book of James was pretty tough. James has got a very sharp pen. He gets right with it. Proverbs is no slouch either. When you read it, it kind of gets on your case. Now, having seen the results of foolishness, let's consider the road to foolishness here. And folks, this is an ancient, and well-traveled road. And it's a road upon which over and over and over, God has 
has erected signs which seem to scream, stop, caution, danger ahead, turn around, go back. All through that, you see it. Well, the road to foolishness, it always passes the same five checkpoints. It begins with number one, with prideful self-reliance. Wisdom tells us, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. But see, the fool always begins by trusting his own heart, his own wisdom, and his own strength. But Proverbs 28 and verse 26 says, He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but he who walks wisely will be delivered. You know, how many shepherding calls and how many counseling sessions begin with someone saying, well, I know that the Bible says that, but I feel, or I think, or I want, or I can. Folks, those are words of a fool. Plain and simple. I can't, you can't. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches, and he who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. It's a question. Who are we to argue with Jesus? See, it doesn't matter what we think or how we feel about a situation. We can't trust our own sin-sick hearts. All that matters is what has God said? What would Jesus do? What is wise? But you see, the fool always begins by choosing prideful self-reliance over humbly trusting in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Number two, that prideful re reliance is followed by deafness to instruction. That prideful reliance is followed by deafness to instruction. Proverbs 1 and verse 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Parents, I want you to hear this. This resistance to instruction usually starts early. Proverbs 15 and verse 5 says, A fool rejects his father's discipline. But quickly, that deafness... It, um, it extends from parents to teachers to coaches to bosses to pastors and to anyone that God places in authority over a fool. Proverbs 12 and verse 5 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. Generally, fools are more concerned about telling what they know than learning what they don't. Proverbs 18 and verse 2, A fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind. And verse 13 adds, He who gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and shame to him. You see, we live in a world that habitually gives answers before it hears. 
We live in a world that continually prejudges and jumps to ignorant conclusions. This, by the way, is why so many fools love texts and emails in which they can say, I believe this, I'm doing this, and that's the end of the matter. And they can do that without having any of their facts or any of their assumptions or logic challenged. Fools love that. Don't you just see it all the time? But you see, the goal of the wise is never to be proved right, but to discover truth which of course requires us to at least listen to others. Number three, next is always resistance to correction. Resistance to correction. Fools are destined for lots of correction from both God and man. Proverbs 19 verse 29, judgments are prepared for scoffers and blows for the back of fools. Now, it's frustrating to us when people we love are standing at this third road sign. Let me tell you something. When we see them at marker number four, it's horrifying. Marker number four is this. The heart is hardened or calloused. At this point, all fools have a hard heart. And we need to understand there is a place where those not listening are given over by God to their rebellion and sin, that they might fully experience all the heartache and the pain that will eventually come their way. There's a point in time that God will do that. And He doesn't do this to punish them, but He does this just like the father of the prodigal son. He lets them go as a last resort to save them. Now in the New Testament, we're told that there will be times when we as a church must practice biblical discipline with the sheep of God's flock. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 5, it says, Deliver such one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his spirit may be saved. Another way this can be said is, you know, as we're to withdraw our fellowship and treat them as a Gentile and as a tax collector. Always, of course, with the goal that they will see the seriousness of their sin and repent. Now the facts are, the facts are this. Once a person gets to this level of foolishness, it's highly unlikely that they will learn from our attempts at correction. Parents call foolish children incorrigible. Society calls them juvenile delinquents or repeat offenders. In the church, we call them backsliders. But Proverbs, the 17th chapter, verse 10 says, a rebuke goes deeper into one who has understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. So consequently, trying to correct a fool is itself kind of a folly when you think about it. In Proverbs 16 and verse 22, it says, understanding is a fountain of life to the one who has it, but the discipline of fools is folly. Now, as the heart is hardened. Fools move from being unwilling to learn to being unable to learn because they are so infected by the sin in their lives that they're virtually unchangeable through the efforts of men. Proverbs, the 27th chapter, 
Verse 22, though you pound a fool in a mortar with a pastel along with crushed grains, yet it's his foolishness will not depart from him. And in Proverbs 26 and verse 11, like a dog that returns to its vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. So the liar lies, the cheater cheats, the thief steals again, the adulterer commits adultery, and the gossiper and the slanderer and the one who sows dissension, they do it over and over and over and over again. And then fools run away from the loving discipline and deeply resent and reject the correction of those that God sends to show them his love. That's normally the way it goes, folks. And it happens over and over and over again. Proverbs 28 and verse 14. How blessed is the man who fears always, but he who hinder, hardens his heart will fall into calamity. Well, number five, the fool spirals into even deeper and more degrading sin. Of course, there's always external manifestations of sin in the life of a fool. But when a heart is hardened, the spiral downward, it experiences exponentially is accelerated. It just goes faster and faster. Now that spiral always has four distinct phases in it. That spiral down, and you can count them. If you, if you know somebody in this, you can identify these different phases. Hopefully, you're not in one of them. First of all, we see a lack of self-control or impulsiveness. Proverbs 13, 16 says, Every prudent man acts with knowledge, but a fool displays folly. This impulsiveness will express itself morally. In Proverbs 7 and verse 22 and 23, it describes a foolish young man who accepts the invitation of an adulteress. Suddenly, it says, suddenly, he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as one in fetters to the discipline of a fool until an arrow pierces through his liver. As a bird hastens to the snare, so he does not know that it will cost him his life. And of course, it expresses itself emotionally. Proverbs 12 and verse 6, a fool's anger is known at once. And Proverbs 29, 11, a fool always loses his temper, but a wise man holds back. And finally, it expresses itself verbally. In Proverbs 15 and verse 2, the mouth of fools spouts folly, it says. Second, the the impulsive fool begins minimizing sin. Saying things like this, everybody does it. You know, it's not that bad. I know I shouldn't, but no one is hurt. But before long, Proverbs 14 and verse 9 tells us fools mock at sin. In fact, Proverbs 10 and verse 23 says, doing wickedness is like sport to a fool. I want you to remember, this was written 3,000 years ago. But doesn't it describe our world where every movie, every play, sitcom, comedian makes a living mocking sin where wickedness is a sport? It makes sense. We see it every day. Solomon says those are the marks of a fool. 
And third, the fool moves from minimizing to justifying sin. In Proverbs 30 and verse 20, this is the way of an adulterous woman. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I have done no wrong. Proverbs 17, 15 says, He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous, both of them alike, are an abomination to the Lord. God said in Isaiah, the fifth chapter, He said, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. As you know, that happens in our world every day. We sin. Immorality is now called a loving relationship. Can you imagine? Killing is called a choice. Truth-telling is called hatred and then ironically persecuted by the tolerant for being intolerant. You get it? Friends, our world is filled with fools. Fourth, finally, eventually fools are advocating sin. Proverbs 13 and verse 19, it warns, Desire realized is sweet to the soul, but it's an abomination to fools who turn away from evil. Or, yeah, turn away from evil. See, there comes a point where a fool is so addicted to his sin and so convinced that everything he does and everything that he believes is right that to forsake that or turn away from that would seem like an abomination to him. That's how low that they sink into this sin. Proverbs 28 verse 9 says, He who turns away his ear from listening to the law, even his prayer is an abomination. Did you catch that? Listen, if you practice a self-satisfying religion and you do not heed God's revealed words, your prayers become offensive to God. The further you get away from the Lord, the more offensive it is to God. Even your prayers. Psalms, the first chapter in verse 1 says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. You see the stages there? When you follow that through first, as a fool does what everyone is doing, he walks in the counsel of the wicked. And then he self-justifies taking his stand in the path of sinners. And finally, he's teaching others to sin in the seed of a scoffer. And of course, he reaps what he sows. Now, that's not the only place that that downward spiral is described. If you go to the New Testament, Paul describes that in Romans, the first chapter, in verse 18 through 32. But because of the time and the length of that passage, we won't read it here, but I printed it in your outline so that you can read that. He's saying the same thing here. Well, what is our response to foolishness? Well, in two weeks, we're going to have a whole sermon on how to avoid foolishness. But let me give you three real quick action steps right now. And they're this. Number one, avoid fools whenever you can. You know, you would be wise not to be yoked together with the fool. I would try hard not to hire one or work for one. Do not befriend one on whom you might need to depend on sometime later. Do not date them. Do not marry them. You know, you can witness to them, 
But depending on how far down this road of foolishness they are, you may be casting your pearls before swine. Now you say, preacher, that's awful rough. That's pretty harsh. And I agree, it may be. But I want you to listen what Solomon says about it. Proverbs 17th chapter and verse 12. Let a man meet a bear robbed of her cubs rather than fool in his fathers. Now we understand that because we're where we live. Proverbs 13, 20. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. And in Proverbs 26, verses 6 through 8, he cuts off his own feet and drinks violets who sends a message by the hand of a fool. Like the legs which are useless to the lame, so is a proverb in the mouth of fools. Like one who binds a stone in a sling, so he is who gives honor to a fool. And then in verse 10, like an archer who wounds everyone, so is he who hires a fool. And then in Proverbs 29 and verse 9 adds, when a wise man has a controversy with the foolish man, the foolish man either rages or laughs and there is no rest. You know, it may be harsh, folks, but wisdom will avoid fools whenever it can, every time. Number two, do pray for them. You know what all fools need, and we as well, is a new heart. And that is something that only God can give. You know, David once walked way down the road of foolishness. Talking about David the Old Testament. He once walked way down that road of foolishness. But under the Holy Spirit conviction, he cried out, Oh God, create a clean heart in me. You know, so that can happen. So we pray for them. We pray that God could create a clean heart in people like that. And number three, this is the big one. Don't be one. Don't be one. Friends, what we really need is some brutally honest self-evaluation. You know, where are you today on the road to foolishness? Something we need to think about. Are we... Um, pridefully self-reliant or are we humbly trusting in the Lord? Which is it? Are you growing deaf to instruction or is that something we truly delight in? You know, how do you respond to, to God's correction? Is your heart becoming more tender and softer or calloused and hard to the instruction of God? Where are you on this spiral of sin? Are you daily growing in self-control of the Spirit? Or are you foolishly impulsive? Be honest. Are you or have you ever been guilty of contradicting God's Word by minimizing or justifying or even advocating sin? Folks, every day we have to choose. Let me encourage you to choose wisdom. Let's pray. Father God, we're grateful for this time together. We're grateful for the wisdom that you can impart to us. And Father, we just pray that you would help us to strive after this wisdom. Help us to act wise in the things that we do and the things that we say. Because Father, we want to see you again one day and live with you eternally. That's just your son's name. Amen.